0: Do you think I can convince you? Because this has been a relatively good discussion <laughs> to edit this in,
1: <laughs> if oh, this you have recording. Yeah, I will oh. have to think about that because
0: uh, I think we think we actually had a good, not nonsense, post recording segment. If you don't have <laughs> to though; you got a lot of work.
1: Yeah, either that or I can cut it out and do it as a second uh, sidecar piece.
0: Oh. Okay. So
1: that's possible too.
0: We're just gonna keep talking. So I am going to go. <laughs> I right,
1: gotta go do some lunch anyway. So.
0: Well, I think we closed it up okay. Yep. Just... Oh man. Oh well. That's, that's you know, all it. All works good. out. Yeah. I hope. The one thing I worry about with these is when we bring up stuff like that, that a particular GM might think that we're picking on the, some knowledge gap they have. And I I hope that it's received as us using an example of something we we'll talk about to illustrate a broader concept. Um, and I, I imagine it is received that way in general because people wouldn't like us or listen to us if we, it was different. But I just always worry a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I hope we can – I hope we uh... – you know, bounce around the topic from enough different directions that, that feels analytical.
0: I That's,
1: it's different. One of the things that we do that here in this VBA conversation that is different than let's say a AFBI kind of thing, where you just basically got a bunch of guys sitting around shooting the shit about things, you know, then you get off the cuff comments and so forth. I mean, and, one of the things that I personally enjoy about conversations with you and with Aaron in that sense is the ability to look at, well, you know, if you look at Vera Mantis in this way, here's, <laughs> right. If you look at him in this way, here's this, you know, if, yeah. if you looked at the acquisition, you know, why, do, why was this guy put in this place? Well, if, here's the pluses and here's the minuses and, um, you know maybe it was a mistake or maybe it wasn't a mistake it just depends on how it works out so at the end of the day we get a much more broad um, my feeling is we get a much more broad in-depth conversation about the pluses and minuses whereas in the AFBI kind of environment it's really more commentary for the fun of commentary and I think sometimes that can come off abrupt
0: you know yeah Montes has had a 30 point babbitt drop since leaving you. Since when? Since he left Yellow Springs. <laughs> and it's pretty it was it's pretty stark. He was he's he was up he was 330, 324, then he went to Charlotte and was 280 and now he's hanging in around 300. And I wonder if he's had some internal skill erosion or if that is just the pitchers he's facing.
1: It could be a skill erosion. I hadn't looked at what his
0: that, uh, that numbers... That shouldn't be the pitchers He's Well, no, because uh, good pitchers do suppress Babip. They can,
1: um, but you would think that the it would take some... Um, I don't know
0: how to code for that in the game. It, it would take
1: <laughs> some interesting distributional things for the number of pitchers who make that big of a difference in Babip to line up completely behind Viramontis. It does make me wonder whether he's had a Babip drop a little bit because you know that's the therein lies the core of the avoid k thing right avoid the thing that causes avoid low avoid k to be problematic is that when you increase strikeouts the way the game engine tends to work when you increase strikeouts you reduce the amount of time that the babbit
0: gets to work gets to shine or
1: yeah, it gets yeah. to play. You know, there is the, the Babip does not even get to play if a guy strikes out a bunch. Right, and Babip is pretty consistent around a player because pitchers, as a general rule, don't have a influence. A few do, but as a general rule, Babip is one of the most consistent ratings for a batter. Because most pitchers end up getting league average BABIPs, and so you don't see much fluctuation based on the pitcher field. Whereas strikeouts, you can see a lot of fluctuation depending on which pitchers you face. Walks, you can see a lot of fluctuation based on what pitchers you face. So, at least that's my conversational theory about why the, you know people say why do why does AVK low AVK create such inconsistencies. Well, it's because you're stripping out a huge chunk of at bats where the Babbitt can play. So,
0: do you know that OTP models um, the Babbitt aging curve well?
1: Um, I want to say yes. But that also requires me to believe the Tango curves are correct for human beings, rather than correct for major league players who have played for X years, right?
0: Yeah, right. That gets into Cause that, that bit, right, that for the average player is, is pretty consistent. Like right. if it starts or I think the I think it's like you know you come into the league just above 300 and you leave the league just you know, around or below 300 if you make it to your 30s, right, like late 30s. Um, The interesting thing is that I believe, and I'm looking, trying to look at this pull stuff up in FanCraft, so I'm looking right now, yeah, I believe the power hitter BABIP drop is fairly dramatic um, compared to the average player. But I'm not sure that that, but that's not necessarily entirely a BABIP thing as much as it is, They grow into their power and their Babip goes down because home runs don't count as balls of play. And also power hitters tend to be slower and they tend to, you know, slow guys tend to get slower faster than than fast guys tend to get slower. So I am curious about how OTP models Babip because it should. Do they, you know, do they do all players the same? Do they categorize players and model their bits differently, dependent upon their ratings. I'd be interested to know how that works.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the... First off, all players will not be the same, but I think what you're really asking there is are there multiple kind of classic models, right? Does a speedster degrade at a different rate than a big lumbering power hitter and things like that? And I don't know that uh, is true or not true, right? I don't... Yeah. I can't right. tell at,
0: whether whether or not it's a case based approach or it's just a formula based approach that gives a different output depending upon what their yeah, ratings are. All that set I
1: can is. say with a very high degree of certainty, unless they've changed things in, in 21, is, and I can't imagine why they would because it's been consistent since, like I said, the 20 odds. Um, when we were first looking at the whole development curve cycles, um, I can definitely say that. Call peak 100, right? At, at age 22, let's say, Babip will be at peak or 100, and by and it will extremely slowly degrade over 15 years to a 95, right? right? I mean, the average player will have that kind of a curve, but there are many, many curves that go into making that average. Right. So one player, that doesn't mean every player is going to peak at age 22 or three and then slowly degrade. There will be differences. And I don't know whether those differences are triggered by something inherent in the players or random chance or whatever. Um, I have not done a diligent enough study to break players into types and see if they have different curves. So what I would grossly, generically answer your question about do I think that Babb, that uh, out-of-the-park models Babbitt well, I would say yes, but there's a lot of things that, that I just don't know. Yeah. So, for example, we look at Emilio Morales. M- Emilio Morales' Babbitt has had kind of a drop off the cliff over the past couple of years. Um, but I he's at the age
0: it. where that happens, too.
1: Yeah, and he, he's at the age where that should happen, right. probably. Um so, but
0: he was really consistent for a long, long time, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, he was he was pretty darn consistent for quite a while, and one of the reasons why he was so consistent is because his AVK is so good. Yeah. You know, so and his AVK has not really dropped much. So, it's the same thing that I'm, when you mentioned that uh, Viramontis's BABAP has dropped pretty consistently from the time when he was with us. Uh, with that sample size, it suggests, and given that his ABK is ABK is still pretty high, um, it suggests that he probably has had a BABIP event, but I don't know. You know,
0: you know, we're talking. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if the game is doing something differently, but you know, I I briefly brought up um, pitchers and BABIP suppression, right? So I went to look at two of the best pitchers I can think of off the top of my head. And looking at uh, Rivera and Vasquez in San Antonio, and both of them are allowing a BABIP right around 290, which is a little suppressed, um, I think, from from league average, but not dramatic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I went over, and then I went, and I was like, man, I remember Ricardo Diaz having some years where the BABIPs he allowed were just ridiculous like at his peak it wasn't entirely just the strikeouts it was that he he held people to batting averages that were absurd like he had years where the league batted like 205 against him
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know some other nonsense like that and i'm looking at woolen weber his career babbitt allowed is 300 um i looked at luis gracia for comparison his is like 290 so you know not that crazy diaz's career babbitt allowed is like 270 something, which is making me wonder how much of <laughs> how much of it was just park effect. A lot of it. Um,
1: yeah, a lot of it. No, and it, that
0: makes it. you wonder about the whole uh, you know fit calculation in that o- is has OTP calculating pitcher work very well. You know, it's it's right. that how are they doing it? And because if if he's getting all of that Babbitt. Uh, success from the park effect. You know, should his FIP and his war be so great? It's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, in 2023, he allowed a lot of BABIP of 238. That's just unreal. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: well, just... as I say, some of it is the pitcher, a lot of it is the park. And um, I think you're, there is no uh, FIP minus is definitely park adjusted. But how sophisticated is that adjustment? My guess would be it's not very sophisticated at all. And it's the same conversation I have about out-of-the-park war, right? I mean, please, Marcus, (laughs) post your equations. Tell us how you're calculating war, right? Because otherwise it's not – Yeah. 98% of people will not care. But for the few people who care, you know – Number one, we want to know. And number two, if you've got a glaring mistake, we'd like to tell you so you can fix it. <laughs>
0: well, the other thing you wonder about is I was looking up um, when Randy was doing his uh, who's the best pitcher stuff, right? When he was looking at that, we were talking a little bit about park effects and how he's going to compensate for them. And it's the way he's doing it isn't tremendously sophisticated. And neither was because the way Bill James was doing it when he came up with that concept wasn't entirely mm-hmm. sophisticated. But when I looked into it more, what I found is that no one really has a good way to account for the effect of the home pitching staff. And that if you look at the teams that are leading the league in pitchers' parks, they tend to be the ones that have had the best pitching staffs. So then that makes you wonder, when you look at things like Fit Minus and War, which are supposedly park-adjusted, are you hurting the Nebraska chances of your Hall of Fame starter if you surround him with other good pitchers? You know, is is the guy that is the lone amazing starter on a team full of bad pitchers in a neutral park going to have a higher WAR number because of the uh, because of a squishy park adjustment than a guy who will appear to be maybe be in a stronger pitching park because all of the pitchers there suppress? I don't I don't know. It's just yeah. It well, I think the best among that,
1: the best that I think people can come up with there is that don't take a one year park effect as a real thing you want to look at a park over two three four or five years
0: and sure but
1: like it starts to
0: but um, give a better flavor the the you know the the best pitchers park in baseball right now if it's not the best it's among the top two or three is uh is uh the mets um is, is it shea is it still shea is it new shea yeah. is it the same shea i don't remember whatever but um and over the last, and they then they do them over five year periods. Well, who's been in New York for the last five years? You know, I mean, if, sure. uh, you know, teams that have, when you look at these things, it always tends to be a team that has had a run of six or seven years of dominant pitchers. And it becomes a chicken and the egg sort of thing is do we think their pitchers are good because of the park, or do we think the park's good because of the pitchers that are in it? And the answer, of course, is a little bit of A and a little bit of B, but it gets really murky.
1: Yeah, you now no, there's no um, the complaint that you get out of sabermetric conversations that you, is that you try to boil everything down to a number and then the number is right, right? And yeah. I think that the the sane way of talking about it is yes, we want to boil everything down to numbers, and then you know one of the great things I like about war seven point five and seven point one those are the same players, right? Yeah. That, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. There are some people who want to pretend like 7.5 is better than 7.1. Well, good on you. Go right ahead. But 7.5 and 5.2 that's a that, that's a valuable split. <laughs> right. right. You're not going to tell me that a 7.5 is worse than a 7.0 or than a 5.2 or that a 5.2 is as good as a 7.5. That's just not
0: right. Or the guy that is seven, 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 or versus the guy who is five, five and a half, seven and a half, six point three, five. Right. You know, there's a there's a difference there. Right. Can, so
1: those are valuable. That's that's a valuable use of a analytical tool to explain right. that there is a difference, and we can then cut it and talk about. You know, what skill sets comprise that war and whether you like, you know some of it is just an aesthetic. <laughs> you know I like big bruisers who hit the ball really far versus I like guys who hit the gaps and run. you know yep. I, is a is a 7.1 guy who does it all with power better than a 7.1 guy who runs.
0: You know, I've... well, eh, you know, it's going to depend on the lineup and what's around them and the league environment and all all those sorts of fun, fun considerations. And while I personally don't care, I love that we are in a league of fake baseball where people care about the visual aesthetic of the players that they cannot see of the game that they can't see. But I think that's <laughs> great. <laughs> it's, that's right. it's, it speaks volumes about how nerdy and dedicated. We are, and I love it. Um, I do not care as long as they score runs what it looks like, but I'm glad that other people do. There you go. And do you think I can convince you, because this has been a relatively good discussion, (laughs) to edit this in
1: if you have recording? Yeah, I'll have to think about that, because... I think we we actually had a
0: good not-nonsense...
1: The Brewster Baseball Association is an out-of-the-park baseball league commissioned by Mr. America himself Matt Rechtenwald and competed in by an amazing group of outstanding general managers. You have been listening to Dorks Being Dorks, a podcast where we put BBA GMs together to talk about out-of-the-park and how it works in the BBA. Music is Some of My Fears by Daisy May and is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. I'm good with numbers, haven't you heard? I have to count right, I have lost everything Just like the boxer dead on the rain. The cross is twisted, the stars does not shine